I didn't want just two or three strawberries from the strawberry patch. I wanted a lot. I wanted to, to enjoy a lot of strawberries. God desires to see a lot of fruit. I'm not just talking about people coming to know Christ. There's other types of fruit. But God wants to see much fruit in our life. Abide in Christ, abide in His Word, abide in His love, abound with fruit. But secondly, we are to love through Christ. How are we to bear fruit? Abide in Him. That's fundamental. If you've missed that, if you haven't tasted the bread of life, if you haven't followed the light, if you don't know the Good Shepherd, you can't abide. You have to be in Him first. So abide in Christ, the first step. It's the first part of the process. But then love through Christ. Notice verse 12 in John 15. This is my commandment. It's not a suggestion. He's not saying this would be helpful. This is my commandment, verse 12, that you love one another. And then notice this phrase, as I have loved you. Wow, that's difficult. As I have loved you. That's how you're supposed to love within your family. That's how love is supposed to look like within the Timberlake Baptist Church family. That's how love is supposed to look like as we deal and have connections with our neighbors, our co-workers, people in our school perhaps, if you still study, as I have loved you. So how did Christ love us? First of all, He loved us unconditionally. Quickly, just a quick run-through. Jesus interacted with a sinful woman in Luke chapter 7. With tax collectors in Luke chapter 5. This is tax season. Some of you, when I mention that, boy, the anger just came up in you. Yeah, wow. Jesus loved tax collectors. Jesus loved a Samaritan woman in John 4. And I think so often we read that, we read about the Samaritan woman, and we think, oh yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that story, I can remember the flannel graph, or you know, whatever. There was tension there. This was not an easy thing back in that time. There was historical strife between the two groups, the Jews and the Samaritans. There are historical problems that we still face today, not with Samaritans, but we have historical strife and tensions within races and with different people groups and social classes. In our area of Brazil, much, a lot of times it was much more a social class division than even it was about race. Are you rich? Okay. Are you poor? Hey. I'm not really going to associate with you. But we see here an unconditional love. He, he loved a Samaritan woman in John 4, an adulterous woman in John 8. He didn't approve of the adultery, but he shared and showed love to her. And he said, in fact, go and sin no more. Some, that's part of where some Christians fail to remember that part. They say, hey, it's, you know, it's just love is everything. We should, you know, everything is okay. No, Christ says go and sin no more. And he knew the lady's heart, but he loved her. And he, he ministered to her. Loved an adulterous woman and also a Samaritan leper, Luke 17. I think it's neat to read through some of the stories of how he healed lepers in one particular story where it says he touched the leper. How personal, how touching, you know, with that, no pun intended, without with that touch to that leper must have been. He couldn't be touched. He wasn't supposed to be around people. I had a little biopsy taken of my face a few weeks ago and had a, had a scab there for a while. And one night I went down to kiss Michael, my six-year-old, and he accidentally kissed near the scab. And quickly he's like, oh, Dad, what, what is that? So I got a little glimpse of 
maybe what the leper could have felt like and Jesus touched him. How about you and I? Are we, are we okay with being around some difficult circumstances and maybe even some physically sick people? That we would show love to them. That's how Christ loved. He loved unconditionally. But He also loved purposefully. He had a clearly defined mission in Luke 19.10 to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't become a friend of publicans and sinners to, to participate in the sin and to sanction their sin, but that He could present the gospel, the hope of the gospel to them to seek and to save that which was lost. John 1.12, so that they could become the children, the sons of God. John 5, that he could, they could pass from death to life. He loved purposefully, but he also loved sacrificially. Look with me in John 15.13. John chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Greater love had no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We know that Christ did that for us. We don't always, I'm sure, I know I don't always live in the light of that truth. I'm not always dumbfounded as I should be to think that Christ gave his life for me and sacrificed, gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross. But as we think about this and then are reminded that he said, love even as I loved you. So he wants us to show a sacrificial love. Few of us in this room will have the opportunity or will be called to give our life for someone else. So let's, let's go to some other areas. Do you give of your time? How is your time divided? There's so many things that pull us in our culture. There's so many things that are important, so many good things even. We have five children, and I understand the the stress of that, of how do you balance things? How do you get involved in in your local church and love Christ and train your family up and be involved with the neighbors? And it's not always easy. But we have to evaluate, how am I giving of my time? Am I showing and, and sacrificing the time that I have for Christ and to love others? What about my possessions? Are they God's? The car that you have, is, can that be used as a ministry tool? And some of you may, may think, yeah, the car, but not my truck. Don't touch my truck. The car, yeah, take it. You can do whatever, but truck, and now, that, that's my truck. So are we willing to take everything that we have? What about your home? Is your home used? Do you use your home? You open your home for unsaved people and invite them in and develop relationships or even those who are saved to bring them in and encourage them in the faith and help them, maybe the older helping the younger or the more mature helping the less mature to learn what it means and what it looks like life on life to abide in Christ, to remain in Him, to stay around for a while in God's Word, to talk about spiritual things, to love even as I have loved. Look with me in Matthew chapter 19. Please, Matthew, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 27. Matthew 19 and verse 27. Peter asked a question here. This is a valid question. Maybe the other disciples weren't quite as bold as Peter was to ask this, but Peter says in 19... Chapter, chapter 19, verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, 
We have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have, therefore? So Peter said, listen, Christ, listen, Lord, we've, we have forsaken all. So what, what's, what is it? I mean, what's in it for us? Jump to verse 29. Jesus, part of his answer was, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. This is a promise. And I believe that Jesus fully intends to fulfill part of that promise through this family right here. As people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, sometimes that means for them that they lose their brethren or their family. As Christians, we have deep convictions based on God's Word, and so we should, on things about sexuality, gender identity, the, the, the sanctity of life. But do you understand, as people, as we minister, and I hope we are ministering to people that are struggling in those areas and are facing some of those very difficult life decisions... Are we also at the same time reaching out in love and opening our family, opening our lives, opening our homes and saying we are ready to be part of this Matthew 19, 29 promise that our family can become your family. That this family right here of God will take you in. will love you. It's going to be a process. They won't come in necessarily all at the same time exactly like you are. There's going to be some awkward conversations. There's going to be some different worldviews. There's going to be some political separation that happens. But I pray that God would help us that through this unconditional, through this sacrificial love, God help us as we realize that even in our country, true, they may not be hung for accepting Christ or they may not lose all of their wealth or all their jobs, but many times they have to leave what they know as family. And we are their family. It's playing soccer with Audrey in the park in Brazil. And there was a lady there, a young lady with her daughter and a golden retriever. And even the golden retrievers enjoy soccer in Brazil because the golden retriever started playing with us and running after the ball. And, and that wasn't by chance. I mean, God allowed that to happen because it struck up a conversation. I began to talk to this young lady that I, I soon discovered her name was Cynthia or Cynthia. And Cynthia began to ask questions. She knew that I wasn't Brazilian. My, my voice and my, my accent kind of gives me away all the time. As soon as I speak, they're like, oh, where are you from? Jo- Georgia? <laughs> Do you speak Southern? So we, as we talked, and we're talking about this, and she began just to open up a little bit. And Brazilians often do, and that's, that's a, 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 an advantage sometimes. She began to open up and says, I, I'm struggling. We're kind of new in this area. We don't know very many people. Our families really having a tough time. And we were about to start a Bible study, an informal Bible study. I said, listen, we're going to start this Sunday. and We would love for you to come. No commitment, but we would love for you to come. And we're just going to be in our house and we're going to study Scripture. And I, I hope you can come. And she came with her daughter. 
She began to talk about her, her husband, Wilson. And soon after that, we met Wilson. And then, then Wilson came eventually. Cynthia told us later that Wilson would tell her, Listen, we grew up Catholic. I, what, do you, what do you have to do in this, in this evangelical person's home? What, what do you do over there? And so out of curiosity, he came to just see, where is, where's my wife going? We learned that they really weren't married. They were living together. Uh, their, their relationship was on the rocks. They were having a very difficult time. Weren't seeing eye to eye about anything hardly. And I remember asking one night in our Bible study, what is the purpose of our life? And Wilson was very openly, he was a, he's a pilot, and he said, listen, I have no idea. I don't know what the purpose of our life is. But as we're able to develop a relationship with Wilson and Cynthia, and sometimes it meant just eating pizza together. One time it was going to an air show and just watching airplanes fly overhead. We weren't having a whole lot of conversation that, that moment, but it was developing a relationship, building trust, so that we could share verbally a few months later around our supper table that little track, God's Bridge to Eternal Life, they have it in Portuguese, and we went through that, and we're able to share, this is what the purpose of life is all about. And at the end, as a, as a seasoned veteran missionary, I said, okay, I want you to go home, and I want you to think about this, and, and I really challenge you to make this decision. And Wilson kind of put me in my place, and he looked back, and he says, do we have to go home, or can I do it now? I said, okay, yes, you can do it now. Yeah, let's, let's pray. And, uh, and I, I'd love for you to accept Jesus now. And so Wilson and Cynthia both accepted Christ as their Savior that night. Our church family, our family first, and then our, our larger church family became their family. They began to learn what it meant to be husband and wife. They began to learn the importance of having a biblical relationship and assuming that commitment before God and before a church family to live the rest of their life together. Boy, how exciting it was to see them grow. There were difficulties. There were arguments. There were some awkward conversations. Even planning their wedding. You know, Pastor, we, you know, we drink and, and, and our relatives drink. And so how's that going to happen? And we, we talked through that and they were very gracious and agreed not to have alcohol at the ceremony and, and appreciated that. And it was neat to see how that came about. But then to see them join the church and get baptized and we became their family. Now, there are, there are so many other Cynthia and Wilsons that need to know as they leave everything in their eyes, it looks to them and they think, we're leaving everything. We're leaving our background. We're leaving our history. We're leaving sometimes what they consider to be their identity. Will they find a family here? Will they find a place in your home, at your table, in your car? I pray that we would be part of fulfilling that promise. We need to love through Christ as I have loved you. John fifteen sixteen. as we close, the third, how to bear fruit. Well, we abide in Christ, we love through Christ, and then we bear fruit for Christ. That's the end of the process. John chapter 15 and verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained or appointed you that you should go and bring forth fruit. All right, let's, let's pause there for a second. This, this verse leaves very clear. We don't choose the terms. He chose us. He appointed us to do what? 
Help me out. What does it say? We're, he appointed us and ordained us to do what? Bear fruit. Bear fruit. So there's not an option plan for Christians. Well, I'm going to opt for the fruitless life. That's that Christ. That's what I'm. I'm I'll be there. I'll do some things, and and my plant is going to be strong. There's not going to be any weeds in my garden. It's going to be clean. But I'm really not into this fruit bearing stuff. Christ says, "Listen, you can't choose the terms." I have chosen you. In fact, I have ordained you. I have appointed you to do what? Go and bring forth fruit. It's our purpose. We're not too far removed from Christmas and maybe you received a gift that you weren't too much into. And maybe that gift, perhaps some things you received and they were already broken. You're either going to take that back if you can, if there's still a sicker or you've got a gift receipt, or you just go to Walmart and hope it came from there and see what happens, you're going to try to do something with that. But if you can't take it back, you, you probably, if you're not a hoarder, you'll probably just toss it. it. This is not fulfilling its purpose. Now, thankfully, Christ doesn't toss us if we know Him, but we have to be reminded it is our purpose. This is what He ordained. This is what He appointed us to do to bear fruit. There's different types of fruit. There's Galatians 5, 22-26, Spirit-filled attitudes and actions, the fruit of the Spirit. That is fruit that we should manifest as we abide in Christ, as we abide in His Word, as we love as He loved. That type of fruit will be manifested through us. And I think so many of the unsaved people will see that. They'll be drawn to that. But not only that, we see God-focused praise. Hebrews 13, 15. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, get it, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. Do your lips give praise to God? Do you sing? Do you worship? Do, do you make a joyful noise? Do you, do you give praise? Do you thank God for things? Or do you often grumble and complain and murmur? That this isn't right, or that's not right, or boy, it's rained too much, or now it's sunny, or it's just hot. It's just, do we give praise? Do our lips share forth? That's fruit. But we also see in chapter 15, the very end, verses 26 and 27, part of the fruit is Christ centered witness. A Christ centered witness. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then 27. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. We know specifically he's talking to, to his disciples and others who had been with him. But obviously as Christians, as his disciples, as little Christ that were known, that were called by, Wow, we should have a Christ-centered witness. That as we abide in Him, that as we love through Christ others, even as He loves, that we would bear much fruit. And I think it's interesting, we read a verse earlier that says, in this our Father is glorified. That we bear much fruit. Don't be satisfied with a little fruit. Don't just eat a couple strawberries if you want to go back to that. But say, God, give me much fruit. Fruit, I want to glorify you. Now, as we think about bearing fruit, it can be painful. Look at verse 2 of John 15. John 15, verse 2. 
Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit... And I would, I would think that after this phrase, it would be something like, and every branch that beareth fruit um, gets an Awana button, you know, or, 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 or wins the upwards game, you know, or, or something. But in fact, he says in, in verse 2, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. He prunes us. Why? That it may bring forth more fruit. Fruit bearing or bearing fruit can be painful. You may be 22, you may be 42 like I am, or 62, or 82, or 102 maybe, and God can still prune you. From my early planting days when I was six as a strawberry, you know, and then as I got older, I enjoy pruning. I don't like to be pruned, but I enjoy pruning. In fact, Kim thinks oftentimes she'll come out and she says, David, are you trying to kill the bushes? You know, what are you doing? I cut them down because I think they're going to grow back and they're just going to grow back full. Sometimes as God is pruning us, it's easy to think, God, are you, are you killing me? What, what's the purpose here? But we need to allow the Lord at different phases and moments in life to lovingly prune us. To purge things from us so that we can bear more fruit. Bearing fruit can be painful. Bearing fruit can bring on persecution. Verses 18 through 25, you'll, you can read them later, but Jesus basically says, listen, they hated me, so don't be surprised when they hate you. Everybody's not going to like us. We're not always going to be well received. The United States of today, as, as a 42-year-old, and I'm not that old, but I know that it's very different than when I was born in 1976. There's a whole different mindset. There's polar opposites so many times in the, in the belief systems and what's valued. So don't be surprised when people hate us. doesn't mean we should be ugly. doesn't mean we should be uh, uh, just totally separate from them. No, we still have to be light, and light is most effective in a dark place. We have to be salt, so we have to be connected. But don't be surprised at the persecution. Don't be surprised when you're passed up for promotion because the boss knows you're a Christian. Don't be surprised when your classmates maybe don't invite you to an activity because, well, you, you just they know you don't kind of do that stuff and you, let, you get left out. It brings on persecution. But then to be reminded again, bearing fruit is our purpose. That's what we're ordained to do. That is what He has appointed us to do. And thankfully, it's the process. We don't have to produce the fruit. But as we abide in Christ, as we abide in His Word, as we love through Christ, even as He loved us, He will, be, he will bear, He will bring forth the fruit through us. And I pray that in the weeks to come, throughout the rest of 2019, that you would think about and pray, God, help me, one, to abide. Help me to just stick around and stay and remain. Help me, Lord, to love through you. Help me to get out of my comfort zone. Help me to open my home and my life and my car and all of the possessions so that my life and my family and this church family would shine so brightly to people who may not experience true love anywhere else but they would find a family and a loving place in you so that we can, for God's glory, bear much fruit. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes as we finish tonight?
First of all, maybe you're here tonight and you say, Brother David, those first I am statements in John, they're, they're, they're just not personal yet for me. I have not tasted of the bread of life. I haven't followed the light of the world. I haven't gone through the door. I don't know the good shepherd. And because of that, I don't know the way, the truth, and the life. I don't know the resurrection to a newness of life in Christ. And maybe tonight you would say, Brother David, I, I desire. The Spirit is drawing me and I want to respond in faith. And after the service, I would love for someone to open God's Word with me. If it's a man, it'll be a man. If it's a lady, it'll be a lady. And open God's, God's Word so that I can come to this last I Am statement and abide in Christ because tonight I want to come to know Christ as my personal Savior. Is anybody like that tonight? Just raise your hand and I'll mentally try to memorize where you're at and connect you with someone afterwards. Anybody like that? And Brother David, that is, that's my desire. I want the I am statements to be true for me. Anybody? So maybe you're here tonight and you say, I know Christ. He, he is my good shepherd. But perhaps the Holy Spirit has placed in your heart and brought to mind some areas that you have not been abiding. Maybe you haven't been abiding in His Word. Maybe you haven't been loving and obeying lovingly and having joyful contentment through Him. Maybe you haven't been loving as Christ loved us. And because of that, you don't have a whole lot of fruit to offer for God's glory. But God spoke in your heart tonight and said, there's some areas in my life that, boy, I can certainly improve in abiding and loving and then in bearing fruit. Can I pray for you? Would you just raise your hand that I may pray for you tonight? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God, thank You for Timberlake Baptist Church. Lord, I pray that this family of believers would abide in You, would not be rushed to just see results, but God, that they would go through the process and also understand what it means to love through Christ. That sometimes that's, that can be a, a year or two years, five, six years or more in investing and sharing talking about the love of Christ, the gospel, salvation. And then in your time, that we would be your servants, your friends, who would bear fruit, who would bring forth this fruit for your glory. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.